Hello, and welcome back to episode three of the Zeitgeist podcast with Derek and Connor. In today's episode, Derek and I explore how being generous and ethical helps you make more money in the long run. This conversation was inspired by tit-for-tat strategy from Game Theory, reciprocal altruism in evolutionary psychology, and Naval Ravikant's tweet, play long-term games with long-term people. For more on these topics, we recommend the Naval Podcast and The Moral Animal by Robert Wright. Enjoy the show. Eric, you know I've been down this um, evolutionary psychology rabbit hole. So talking about financial goals, financial prosperity, can we talk a little bit about reciprocal altruism and how that's going to help you achieve your financial goals? Yeah. So we, we spoke a little bit about it before. This, like I said, is the reason why I find business inspiring and why and how I, I am going to get to where I want to be with my career. Um, the, the idea that you can work with people who you trust, you enjoy being around and doing business with and benefit all the more because of it is beautiful. I don't know how you would, can you define for me what, how you think of reciprocal altruism? It's essentially um, the theory that humans and some other animals, but mostly humans have been, have evolved to give because giving is actually long-term selfish it's being ethical treating people with respect treating people with uh treating people ethically is long-term in your best interest because then you can play long-term positive sum games with people so it's in our interest to treat people the way we would want to be treated and then building on this tit for tat strategy in game theory is okay you fuck me then i fuck you or i don't play with you as soon as you treat me unethically i stop playing with you but as long as you treat me right then i'll keep playing the game with you and this has been shown through computer simulation to be the optimal strategy for these computer organisms so yeah being long-term ethical is in our best interest it's very interesting that we can support, or I'm, you know, you're essentially validating the system or the mode that I operate in, in business, uh, specifically in commercial real estate. Sometimes there's large sums of money at play and it's known for being a business filled with greedy people acting in short-term interest, fucking people over for a paycheck. Um, and thinking short-term that never that's never how you build a long-term relationship by focusing on the money my broker john says it's never about the money it's always about the relationship so and in doing so when you prioritize your relationships over this the money you're able to build relationships that actually make you much more money in the Mm. future like you just said, and that's that's a, a really hard thing to implement in your business when you're faced with a decision mm-hmm. 
um, like I recently had to make where I had to decide between slashing my commission in half or trying to keep my commission and potentially tarnishing my reputation, definitely tarnishing my reputation with this seller um, who was in a 1031 exchange. So she was going to, we're selling her down leg now, which is her current property, and she's going to go buy another property. So a good example of this is I knew if I go above and beyond and act altruistically by slashing my commission, I know right away she's going to want to work with me to purchase her next property, which she has to do. So it's going to come back around immediately. It's not guaranteed, but it's somewhat implied. And thinking about all the people that she knows who own property, who by me doing right by her, I could be generating referrals for myself in the future. But it's such a hard decision to make in the moment when you're faced with a large sum of money that's going to be directly taken out of your pocket and you don't know when it's going to come back to you. So that's when you get down into the weeds, it's really hard to do it. Right. But knowing and understanding that it's going to come back around and this, you can choose to operate in this mode of effective altruism and business and build a network that also decides to do the same thing is so powerful. And like you said, it might not work with everybody, but right. if somebody doesn't want to operate in that network with me, we exclude them. And we only build a network with people who have the same philosophy. Right. And that's quite literally tit for tat. That is the strategy that won yeah. this evolution simulation. Yeah, it works. Like that's how you build a good business. That's when you're talking specifically about a relationship oriented business, which I operate in, that's it. Like that's literally one of the most important foundations for success. So counterintuitively, at the start of your career in a relationship oriented business like yours, it would make sense to give as absolute much as possible uh, with the with the wisdom that over the long term, these relationships will pay off for all of us much more than acting short-term greedy? 100%. Another example of this, which was really hard for me to make this call, I was selling a piece of property in Los Angeles. It was a four-unit apartment. There was a lot of complications with the escrow. Long story short, I had to, my broker suggested that I shell out about $800 of my money in order to buy reports for the buyer of the property. Normally that would be their responsibility, but he suggested that by doing so, it would build a rapport with the buyer and more than just this sale, it would help me develop a relationship with him that could effectively last my entire career. And me being new to the business at that time, $800 was a lot of money for me to spend with no guarantee that I would then make another paycheck. So I could have been out 800 bucks and never made a dime on that deal. But operating with this mentality, I chose to do that. And it actually 
gained a lot of respect for me and for my business. I still talk to this, this guy almost every other day. Yeah. This is about a year later. We have a very good relationship because of this. And not only does it benefit me, it benefits him because he can trust me now and I can bring him more deals in the future. So we both benefit greatly because we trust each other at this point. And oftentimes it takes that first give, that first altruistic event from one party to initiate. It's almost like an invitation to operate in this reciprocal altruism network. Which is a vulnerability. And when you think about it, actually, so the book, The Moral Animal, was written in the 90s. And he's talking about how reciprocal altruism has lost power because of the anonymity of cities, right? You can screw someone over, go move to... Chicago, screw someone over, go move to San Francisco. And it's, it's removed some of that safety net of we have this network, we have this tribe, I know he's in the tribe, he doesn't want to lose his reputation in the tribe, because then long term, he can't win. But that book was written before the internet became what it has. And mm-hmm. I think the internet actually does a good job of putting reputation skin in the game in every interaction now. Your your the internet is sort of this new trust placebo, maybe you could say it. Um, do you agree or think there's still this problem of an anonymity, which makes it even riskier to play with people, to be so giving in the early stages of relationships? I think it all depends. Both are true. It's an interesting point. The internet definitely brings back this network Mm -hmm. in that you know every business online has a google reviews page pretty much Um, so as long as we're talking about businesses or you're selling a product or a service anyone could go on there and write you a review so nobody's necessarily safe from wrongdoing when you're a public entity like that um when it as far as personal relationships go obviously that's a bit harder um because there's no google review for friends you know no but it is somewhat easier to find out about someone to find out where they're from and maybe you say oh who who do we both know on linkedin i can call him up um so i think it's it's somewhat comforting to know that the internet is making reciprocal altruism again the optimal strategy um that's true i actually take that back there is a google reviews page for friends like you said it's linkedin for certain profession professionals there's websites dedicated to reviewing people um again that's partially what we're doing right now actually like we are a part of this is building our reputation on the internet and saying, uh, this is what we believe. These are some things we're thinking about. We're putting it out there. And the people who want to work with us in the future have this body of work and they can get a feel for our worldview, our values, our, our ethics. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why it's so powerful. Um, I think it's, it's also interesting when you start to build a network or for example, followers, 
um, on, for example, Tim Ferriss' show, I think both of us would resonate a lot with other listeners of that show, mm. which is a beautiful thing because you're building this network. And even though you're not directly connected or you're not a, a node in the network, being involved with that network signals that it's those are people that you can trust because you share the same beliefs. And that's really powerful. That is Just really like powerful, actually. You know, that's why people from people probably feel like they can trust each other more who go to the same church or mosque or or university temple. or university. It's all about these networks. I actually went to a alumni meetup for LMU real estate people today. And instantly, there's probably 10 people in the Zoom call. Instantly, I'm thinking of this. Like, I feel like I can trust these people. I have no idea who they are, but because they're in this meetup, they went to LMU and they do real estate. I feel like I can trust them. And that's super valuable in a society where, and specifically again in business, where trust is so important. Because it's so inefficient to have to sort out the people who are going to do you wrong. Although, like you said, you'll learn from that and you're going to eventually get to a point where you can operate in the reciprocal altruistic network. But along the way, there's going to be many people who don't want to play that game and you're going to waste time on and waste money and resources. So anything you can do to streamline that process of finding the reciprocal altruistic network is going to better you. I really like that example of the university. I know that feeling. You know, you're in this room with alumni. And you're like, yeah, we we get each other. We have we're we're a part of something together. And actually, when I think on like some of the most powerful experiences of my life, they mostly resembled a tribe. I went to Nicaragua in, in high school, and we were in a small group, and we slept together outside. Um, I went to Munich for a month and we all worked together learning German and like these small, this tribe-like aspect, I think it really feels good. It feels really good to feel a part of something, part of a community. Because like you said, you don't have to keep vetting everybody. If you live in a city, an anonymous city, it can be very alienating, very, very, yeah, having to keep vetting everybody. Stressful, stressful. Yeah, yeah, I I felt a lot of that coming to LA, knowing nobody here. The past five years, roughly, I haven't had a great network. I had a few friends who I can trust, some who I learned I couldn't, painfully. Um, and I didn't have my family, I didn't have the that that group that I grew up with that you grew up with you know we had each other's families that we could trust that's huge yeah that's nice that's you know, really like, really beneficial like you never have to question them and they're always around you having that community is so important I talk about it a lot in LA it's such a transient place specifically that they're it's such a marked lack of community, um, at least in my experience. But that's yeah. an opportunity. That's an opportunity to think of how can we fill this need? Because the need for community, 
I really have been noticing that the last, because the last year, two years, I've been on the road. And I thought like I'd love this freedom. And I do. I do love the freedom. And I've I've really enjoyed seeing new places, seeing new ways of life. But the thing that has really stood out to me is how nice it is to be a part of a community. Mm. And I, I'm at peace with the trade-off of eventually deciding, okay, that's where I'll live and I'll probably raise my family in one city, one town, because community is nice. Yeah, I but guess I, that's what this, this is, right? That's what we're somewhat establishing here is a community of people we can and want to work with. Damn, yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to, this, this whole idea gave me a, a thought. Something I've heard from Joshua Isaac, he's sort of like a ghostwriter on Twitter, but some other people as well, it's called a prove yourself project. I want to hear your opinion on this. I'm actually in the process of creating one myself. Basically, let's say you want to learn a skill. I want to learn copywriting. So I'm, I'm, I've been studying copywriting, but essentially you, you learn by doing, right? We know this. So you need to get, get jobs, but it's hard to get jobs because you have no experience. So what you do is you find someone in your network that you want to connect with. You do something valuable for them, right? You rewrite the copy on their website and you just give them it. You say, hey, I'm learning copywriting. Maybe this is valuable for you. Hey. This is a really powerful idea, actually. And, and I've tried it before and it's worked really well. The number the number one blog post on my blog, it has like 4X all the other views. And it's because I wrote it about an album from Akira the Dawn and Scott Adams. And I tweeted it at them. I just wanted to share it with them. And then Akira retweeted it. And that tweet got over 80,000 impressions because Akira has a much bigger reach than I do. And so this is the idea of a prove yourself project prove yourself project. You find someone valuable in your network and you just do something valuable for them or someone who you respect. It doesn't have to be so transactional that you think, okay, that's it. You don't expect anything from them. They don't have to answer, right? Because you're giving them something. Um, but this is a really powerful way to use reciprocal altruism to build relationships and learn mm -hmm. skills. Like you mentioned, it's important to keep that open mind with, with when the return is going to come and yeah, um, not be expecting provide, anything. Yeah, not expect anything, but try to provide as much value as possible. And like a reason why this is really powerful for aspiring content creators is because one of my friends, I'm in this online learning community and um, one of the kids made a video about Naval and Naval replied to his tweet. Now that video got like 10x the rest of his videos, uh, got 10x views the rest of his videos, right? So you can sort of tap into their network. And if you're a follower of Naval within Naval's ecosystem, it's likely that you have similar values to the people in his ecosystem. Is there a way you could use this in commercial real estate for your clientele, your community? You know, I was actually thinking about that because yes, that's how I prospect for new business, basically. I, one, I try and come up with something that's going to be valuable to the person 
that I want to develop a relationship with. How I do that is I call them on the phone, but in that initial, what we call cold call, I'm just trying to discover what I can do to help them, honestly, without trying to sell their property or do anything. I often give or suggest preparing free valuations or rent surveys or connecting them with people that I know and trying to form a relationship through that first initial give. Um, It's such a reframe though. Like it is such a powerful reframe. Most people go into commercial real estate because they want to make money. And that's totally fair. Like making money is a necessary activity in life. But when you switch from, I want to take, what can I get to, what can I give? How can I provide value? It just becomes, it feels a lot better too for everyone. (laughs) It does because you can operate from a place of, genuine intention like it and like you said this reframe at first it was difficult because it was i was still in the mindset of okay i'm going to give them this so i can get something back and in a sense that's what i'm doing but that doesn't mean it can't be a genuine desire to help these people with no expectation of a return right with no expectation that's the big thing that's and it, it's 100% possible to do that. And that's how I conduct business. That's the only way for me to properly form new relationships because it's not a relationship if it's just transactional. There has right. to be some hum, humanity to it. And I, you know, I think, like you said, we really enjoy helping people. Yeah. At least I do. I know most people do. It feels good to help people because you feel valuable. Like it's actually boosts our own self-efficacy and self-worth. If if we know we're valuable to somebody else, that gives us more personal value. And bringing it back into uh, evolutionary psychology, there's a quote from Marcus Aurelius. What's not good for the hive is not good for the bee, right? We might want to hoard so we can and and cheat people so we can get really rich and give lots of money to our kids. But if the result of that is a society that's not good for our kids to live in, just looking at it from a natural selection point of view, that's mm. that doesn't benefit our kids at all. So it's actually in our genetic interest to have the best flourishing society. Is that too much of a leap or do you agree with that statement? No, I completely agree. And I think the lens of sustainability is is a good one mm. here because it's essentially what you just said. Are, is it really benefiting our children if our short-term money-grabbing destroys the environment and the economic viability of their futures? Mm, there. No. I had a meeting with a, a big property owner last week where I prepared a valuation We took him out to lunch and consulted him for about two hours. I actually spent the whole afternoon with him. And at the end of the day, he was confused. He said, why are you guys doing this for me? Why why are you being so nice? Why are you taking the time, putting your resources towards me in this case? 
because we had already established at that point that I wasn't going to sell his portfolio of real estate. But he was the one who suggested the answer. We confirmed it. He said, I guess it makes sense because I am from Long Beach. I know a lot of people in Long Beach and I can connect you with other people. And through word of mouth, our networks combine. So maybe in the future, I can give you referrals and steer people towards you if they're in need of your services, because now I like you. I know you. I know you're good people. And that example, which quite literally happened last week, I think encompasses that idea quite well. It also highlights the the power of, of staying within a niche. Like uh, it doesn't have to be like slavery, but the fact that within this community, you start to build out a network. And then if you keep jumping ship, you can't really build compound returns of relationships in this way. 100%. I think you need to, in, in any goal or in any thing you're trying to accomplish, you have to stay focused and stay focused for a long duration enough to have that start compounding, like you said. And it's the same with investing. You can't if invest properly by executing trades all the time. You, you choose, uh, for example, stock market investing, you choose a company that you fundamentally agree with its long-term trajectory and its current situation, you mm. buy the shares and you hold it for a very long time so that it can properly compound. You right. can't keep the benefits of compounding through pulling out and changing strategy. Yeah, I mean, you got to go for long enough. Like it, it's not to say right. that you can't switch paths, but once you find something that you know works, hammered hammer down right right it takes a while it's like that exponential growth curve it's going to take a really long time to build out that network but once you reach that point of inflection that's when it's all worth it suddenly i was listening to a podcast with tim ferris and they're talking about how warren buffett is so well known and it's because he played for the long term with his with his wealth generation game his powers of compounding return weren't famous until very recently. Right. He made the line share of his wealth in the last few years of his life. It's like 99% is like the last 20 years or something. Yeah. You sent me that podcast. It was very interesting because he actually uh, has like relatively average returns for a stock yeah. picker, but it's about all about the time. Yeah. It's just the time in the game so that those effects can properly play out. So I think one aspect of this reciprocal altruism is having long time horizons. 100%. And with life expectancy being so long today, that's kind of the appropriate assumption or at least strategy. Um, playing long-term games with long-term people that... Yeah, and, and like you said, you need to be in a sphere that's small enough where people will occasionally cross paths again. Mm. Because if you're playing in too big of a, a sphere, this doesn't 
matter so much if you're never going to see people who know the people you know doesn't matter but the internet helps the internet internet helps it definitely Uh, shrinks whatever sphere you're playing in yeah connects everyone to everyone yeah it, it it definitely helps out so those two things the duration and the probability that you're going to encounter people who are connected in the same network matter for this reciprocal altruism to be effective yeah and that's the game i want to play i mean clear as day like <laughs> that's business that's the thing it's literally that's how i would define business is operating in this mode yeah Whatever. this has actually got me really excited about business this feeling of can be positive some can be ethical definitely it, it, it's how we, that's how you play the game and it's a game you can choose to play which is the beautiful thing you know there's there's the option it's right. not it's not so clear it's a choice that you have to make but by making that choice you create a community that tribe that feels so good to, to be around other people and you can cool. build cool shit and you can build cool shit and you can <laughs> you can help a lot of people love it do you have any closing remarks on reciprocal altruism or long-term time horizons anything in that nature like my mentor john says sometimes you buff in one place and it shines another that's a helpful saying which encompasses that idea pretty well um just give give where you can and the universe provides it comes back around so it's hard at first especially if like me in some cases you know at first you don't have a lot of money and you have to give money or maybe you don't have a lot of time you got to give your time be generous and you'll be rewarded to recap treating people ethically is long-term selfish it's long-term in our best interest because then you can play long-term games with long-term people as naval says which pay off at a much greater scale and in a non-zero-sum fashion to pay off for both of you much more than short-term cheating unethical actions do 